This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. We got a lot to cover over the final two hours of the show. Ben Standig is going to join us after practice when we will probably have news on who the starting quarterback against the Cowboys will be. Uh, I guess there's some drama to that because this is a must-lose situation from a fan perspective. Um, I put out a uh, a Twitter poll on Sunday. It was very much tongue-in-cheek, as most of you uh, picked up on. But I was, after a few calls that we got Denton on Friday – um, in talking about the 49er and Cowboy games where people said, no, 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 if it comes down to that Dallas game and Dallas has not, you know, Dallas has something to play for, I want to beat the Cowboys. We had a couple of callers say that, and I put a poll out after the game Sunday. Would you pr- prefer to lose to the Cowboys and potentially end up with a top-two pick or beat them and cost them the division? Um, thankfully, uh, it was heavy in lose to Dallas for the top-two pick, but not – not, you know, uh, totally unanimous. 88.5% voted yes. 11.5% of you diehards are still out there saying you would take pleasure in beating the Cowboys and costing them a division title. And look, I, I, can, certainly, um, I can certainly understand and appreciate that position because I would have had it five years ago, more likely than not. Certainly 10 years ago. Uh, but no, at this point, the best thing for the organization moving forward is to lose this game to the Cowboys. But we'll keep you posted on a lot of things. Uh, we didn't have a chance yesterday to go back and look at the 49er game. I actually thought there were a couple of interesting performances and decent performances uh, from the game. Um, and we'll look at all of the draft uh, scenarios for Sunday because it comes down to strength of schedule. Uh, And there are a couple of games Sunday that will matter a lot uh, to Washington's prospects. The bottom line is if Washington loses, they're going to finish with either the number two or the number three pick. Uh, New England's got a chance to potentially move up to the number two pick with a loss. Um, And if they were to somehow win the game, God forbid, uh, they could end up with like the fifth pick, uh, which would be a significant difference from number two in the upcoming draft. All right. Let's get back to the phone lines. And the question, simply put, is, is this the worst ending of any of the Snyder coaching regimes? Is this this Ron Rivera season and the ending to the season the worst ever? For me, 2013, the Shanahan end was the worst. In many ways, because for me, it was the first time I really felt like there's zero chance that this organization's ever going to compete consistently as a winning franchise as long as Dan owns the team and interferes because there was massive interference, obviously, during that 2012-2013 uh, stretch with RG3 uh, and the coaching staff, etc. All right, let's go to Chuck in PA. Chuck's been on hold. Chuck, thanks so much. Go ahead. How you doing, guy? Um yeah, I remember following the Redskins since about 58, so I've seen it all. They were always interesting, even in the losing years back in the 60s. They were, they were, they were interesting. Uh, then, of course, the Jurgensen, even Norman Snead throwing the bomb to, to uh, Norman Snead, uh, to uh, Bobby Mitchell. Uh, I don't, this is probably the worst ever, but yeah, it, the um, Snyder era, it was completely a complete disaster and saying this is the worst it probably is but but one guy you didn't mention is coach who was probably the only coach that he hired that was good but he was too stupid to keep him was marty Schockenheim. you didn't mention his name oh my god Hello? yeah 
You no, 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 a hundred percent right. I, I, when I went through the coaches, I skipped yeah, my favorite coach of the Dan Snyder I know, era. I don't know you saying that no, 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 you're a hundred percent right. Look, the, the, but the end of the Marty season wasn't a, a tragic end. I think that's probably why it, it, it ended okay. They were, they started 0 and 5 in 2001. They finished 8 and 8. They won eight of their final 11 games with Tony Banks and Kent Graham at quarterback, and they were actually in the playoff hunt. Yeah, Marty was a phenomenal coach, and it was the to to this day. And I've said this for fifteen years on on the various shows that I've been a part of. That is the single biggest football mistake of the Snyder era. And by the way, yeah. to Dan's credit, and I don't want to give him credit for much. At one point, he admitted he made a mistake by moving on from. Marty at the end of he that was season. The, he was um, not in the in the mold of Vince and Marty, but a little bit like a Lamarty, you know, disciplinary. And, and George Allen. And uh, what's that? And, and George Allen. A lot of comps with Marty and George Allen. Yeah, George Allen was good. I mean, the only thing I didn't like about George is he, his dislike, I guess, for Sonny Jurgensen. You know, yeah, I know. Didn't treat him right. Right. But, uh, but one thing I, I know that you don't want to hear it is. I stopped rooting for him when the Schottenheimer. I've watched. I mean, I follow the Redskins since then, a hundred percent, but not rooting for him. Uh, they got to change the name back to get me back. They, it's just. Yeah, I I know I know how many of you feel that way. I hope they recognized how many recognize how many of you feel that way. But you do understand that Redskins is never coming back. That is not going to happen. Well, it's not going to. Back, well, you know, Vince Lombardi can't come <laughs> back, but the Redskins can change the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That would be that would be quite the trick. Um, you can't bring back, uh, you know, I don't know who you want to mention, but they got to change the name back. I mean, it's just, I don't Chuck, care. they're he, he, they're not changing the name back to Redskins. I promise you, that's not going to happen. As much as you and me and many people would love them to seriously consider it. I do hope they move on from the current name and associated branding and go with something, as I've suggested now for years, which is just Washington-themed. Thanks for the call. Good call. Appreciate it. Let's go to to Lou. Lou, go ahead. Kevin, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, Lou, what's happening? Not a whole lot, man. After hearing what, uh, I guess, uh, Philip, is, is that is that is that the guy's name, Philip? A caller you had a maybe a couple couple okay. calls. Okay, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I just want to echo what he was saying. Pretty much, you see the difference when you know you have Br running the ball and and things like that, and you know you you shore up that O line and you know straighten up that uh you know that uh offensive line and you know throughout the draft. I think you know I think like I keep saying, Sam could. Uh, I know, guy, but what's but, are you gonna? But answer the question because that's know, why I, I hope you. That's why you're calling in. Is this the worst right, right, end right, right. of any of the Snyder coaching regimes? Oh, without a doubt, Kevin. I mean, this guy. I mean, he from the roster from the day he stepped in from Trent to 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 like right now, like the fact that you know the draft, like I mean the the player development. I mean, come on, the, the list goes on and on. I can't even list it. It's way too much, and, and for me. Uh, it has to be him. I mean, I can't think of. Uh, uh, I mean, I could go on and say. Jim well, there are Ron, a lot but, to uh, choose he, from. He, right, but now nah, Ron, Ron got to be the. the he he got to be it. He 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 botched everything from you know. I mean, from the draft. I mean, I, I could think about the old line, like for, from you know, from from day one when he let Trent go, like. And then you let uh, a sheriff go. The, we're not talking about day one. You, uh, you yeah. know how much I love you, Lou, and and, and yeah, I. Right, Happy right. New Year! But you are becoming right, almost right. as uncoachable as Polly at times. Because <laughs> every time you call here over the last couple of weeks, all you want to yeah. do is talk about the Ron Rivera era and essentially how Eric Bieniemy should be elevated to head coach because Rivera kept him back so much. So. The, you answer the question. This is the year. I appreciate that. That part you're coachable. Yeah. So. Yes. But anything no, I, else I, I, on I, I, on the end of the Rivera regime? 
Yeah, Kevin, I, I got to go with, yeah, he botched everything from day one. So, he's not, he, yeah, he got to be one of the worst coaches to ever come here and, and, and trying to, uh, I, I don't know what he's, I, I, I was confused what he was trying to do. At the beginning, I understood, but the last three and a half years, it was just kind of like, what are you doing? Like, I didn't, I didn't get what he was trying to do. So, okay. he got to, by far, he got to be the worst one. I mean, okay. I can't think of any other, uh, beside, you know, like, like you say, the Shanahan and, and some other coaches. Well, and, uh, here, thanks for the call, as always, Lou. I mean, we've got the Norv ending, which was a bad ending, ended three games early. We got the Marty ending, which was not a bad ending. It was a bad ending for all of us because Marty would have won divisions. We would have been a playoff team consistently, you know, because Marty had complete control. And Dan didn't like that. And he brought Vinny back and said, let's do it the way we did it uh, that first year. That was kind of fun. Um, the Spurrier ending was just a, a, a joke. I mean, he was not cut out to coach in the NFL, specifically in the situation that he was in. Gibbs ending, no drama to it uh, other than just disappointment that he was gone. The Zorn ending, to me, the Zorn ending, the Shanahan ending, and this ending are the top three. Put them in any order you want in terms of the most dysfunctional um, you know, and worst endings to any of the Snyder coaching regimes. I mean, this Zorn was in there basically showing up for work, and this is the God's honest truth. When Tommy and I were doing our show from our Redskin Park studio, there were days over the final four weeks of the season where Zorn came in and just sat down and listened to us do the show. And then during commercial breaks would ask us questions. He wasn't even working, hardly. He was complying... But he was not working. Uh, they had they had they had emasculated him in hoping that he would quit, and they wouldn't have to pay him the rest of his deal. That was really really hideous. 2019, 2013 was hideous, and all parties were responsible. But of course, for me, the owner is the most responsible. He essentially, along with his 24 year old quarterback at that point you know, teamed up against the coaching staff that would eventually produce, I don't know, like 37 head coaches at this point in counting. Um, Callahan, Gruden, the end of that, it ended early. This one, this is a bad football team. Wow, it is bad. Um, let's go to Derek. Derek's been on hold for a while. Derek, go ahead. Uh, uh, good morning, Kevin. Before I ask you before I ask you a question, real quick, Doc kept saying you were in a pickleball tournament. Is that true? <laughs> no, Doc. No, I was not in any pickleball tournament. I, I've played pickleball. I hurt myself playing pickleball about six months ago, and I haven't played since. But no, Doc likes to, you know, um, Doc likes to <laughs> emphasize uh, everybody's affluence it, in, it, opposite of his own, which he's more affluent than all of us. But go ahead. What do you got? <laughs> okay. Um, Kevin, like, it's been so many bad endings. They all blend together in my head for me. Yeah. But after listening to your first call of Philip and yourself, uh, initially I was going with the way the Shanahan ended. But listening to you and how bad we are and so many mistakes that Ron has made, it's clearly this season. It's, it's not, if you really think about it, it's not even close. And the only light that I have to look forward to is the owner is gone, and we'll probably draft a new quarterback, and I see brighter days ahead. So I think it's, this is probably the worst ending we've ever seen as far as how the team is structured and the, the, the broken promises throughout the years that just has never come to fruition. And we, we actually see that although Ron was – a good coach come in, and he really didn't seem to know what he was doing. But he did. Right. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, thank you for the call. Um, by the way, I just found uh, the the story that appeared on December eighth. It was Sunday, December eighth, during that twenty thirteen season. That was truly one of those surreal days. Uh, December eighth was their home game against the Kansas City Chiefs. They had lost three in a row. 
um, uh, four in a row at that point, had fallen to three and nine. It was snowing. The stadium was maybe a third full before kickoff. At halftime of the game, the score was 38 to 10 Chiefs. Uh, Dexter McCluster, remember him, had a 74-yard punt return for a touchdown. By the way, Logan Paulson caught a touchdown in that game to put Washington on the board uh, in the second quarter. Then the Chiefs had a 95-yard kickoff return, and the stadium emptied. And there's that famous shot of FedEx Field covered in snow with nobody. I mean, maybe a stray here or there. Uh, in the crowd. But that morning, the story broke on ESPN.com about Mike Shanahan's future and the details about how he had become completely dissatisfied with the relationship that Dan had with Robert Griffin III. Um, Sources say, and this is where Mike participated in the drama and the ugliness at the end of the year, because a lot of this stuff was to Adam Schefter and others at ESPN. Um, But, uh, you know, Shanahan had been privately, according to sources, uh, been telling people that Snyder's behavior with regard to RG3 was a complete farce. Um, The way he had empowered Griffin uh, created complete disharmony with other players uh, in the locker room. Um, and then part of that story was that Shanahan had grown so weary of the relationship between Snyder and Griffin that uh, he was almost willing to leave right after that playoff game with Seattle. Um, didn't do it. Maybe should have. He should have certainly, and it's something that I've discussed with him on the air before, before the 2013 season was sabotaged by the Snyder and uh, Griffin all-in for week one, he should have told Dan, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to start Kirk Cousins or you can fire me. But there was a lot of money at stake for him personally. Um, Let's go to, oh my God, let's go to Ivan. We have not heard from Ivan in a while, although Ivan emails me all the time. I actually just responded to one of your emails here this morning. Uh, happy New Year to you. What do you say? Is this the worst ending to any of the Snyder coaching regimes? Hey, Kevin, happy happy New Happy New Year's, man. Hey, look, look, hey, those are pithy emails, by the way, <laughs> Kevin. Hey, Kevin, look, it's nice to hear you finally admit that your your Snyder Schadenfreude, you know, publicly, it was about your godfather Shanahan, and 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 what took it over the top. Was your godson Kirk when they let him go? Kirk, uh, look, uh, if if Paulie if Paulie can be uncoachable, let me take a second, uh, Kevin. Yo, Shanahan had a large sample size. His last seven years, forty-eight and sixty-seven. Rivera's last season, seven seasons, fifty-five and sixty-eight. You like to blame Snyder for the failure of grown men who got paid millions to do a job. Mm-hmm. But and, you know, as your as your poll suggests or your question suggests, Snyder's biggest fault was definitely not hiring the right coach. And Kevin, by, by the way, real quick, as much as I get on you of, uh, about Shanahan, even I can't refute the success of his coaching tree. And I wouldn't be as upset if, if uh, Harris, you know, uh, uh, you know, decided to bring him in as a consultant. All caps, not a coach. Okay, but Are you still there? let me just – I want to be clear on this. So with respect to the question, you're saying the Shanahan ending was the worst. You agree with me? No, I, 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 to answer your question, really, there are, there are no wrong answers. Uh, <laughs> good question. All the coaches turned out bad. And, and don't, don't forget Jim Zorn, Jim Zorn uh, Kevin. Yeah. Look, by the way, uh, I didn't want misfortune or even root for misfortune. I was always rooting for fortune. And good things to happen, but um, God bless you because you have stuck with Dan Snyder through and through, one investigation after another. He'll be your guy forever. Uh, Bless your heart. Uh, Have a a happy new year. Um, That's Ivan just before he takes his first tee for his first 18 of the day. Uh, Let's go to Russell. Russell, thanks for holding. Go ahead. Is this the worst end of any of the Snyder coaching regimes? 
Good morning, Kevin. Um, hey, it's hard to extract Snyder out of the equation on any sense because so many things have gone sideways in so many different ways over the course of his quote-unquote stewardship of this organization. I mean, to me, I think your Shanahan assessment is accurate as far as I'm concerned. If nothing else, I mean, this team's about ready to go 0-4 in the division, Kevin. You know, when was the last time they went 0-4 in the division? Did they go? You know, did they go 0-6 in 2019? Actually, somebody asked me that the other day. That's a good question. Were they 0-6 in the division in 2019? I think they were. Uh, well, Denton, uh, you know, in, in any event, they hold were, on. They were 0-6 in 2019. That's correct. The, yeah, they 0 and were. 6 in 2019, and and they'll likely go yeah. 0 and 6. Hopefully, go 0 and 6 this year. Yeah, I mean that's what we're looking at. So, uh, in, in any event, you know, to me, the the all the um, coaches that were lost during the Shanahan era. I mean, look at that aspect. I mean, how many guys were on that staff? Well, you know, I know we've we've on. done that ad nauseum over the years. We understand that's one of the, well, yeah. the one of the more productive staffs and and trees in recent memory uh, in one franchise. And look, not all of them could have yeah. been the head coach here. Not all of them would have stayed here. And by the way, Jay Gruden, oh, no. Jay Gruden's tree really is more Sean McVay and Kevin O'Connell. You know, so he's got he's yeah. the one that elevated McVay. Um, uh, to offensive coordinator. And McVay, by the way, first uh, worked for John Gruden, Jay's brother. Jay has said to me before, he considers Sean McVay to be more of the Gruden tree. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, well, in, in any case, I mean, I, I tend to concur with your assessment of the way the Shanahan thing went you know, yeah. completely south and, and the way that, um, you know, Griffin ended up, you know, dictating. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just a grotesque, you know, sense of, of the way that they, you know, operated, you know, at that point in time. And then, you know, this year, well, you know, take your pick. It's like the caller before, what was it, Ivan said, you know, pick it, throw a dart at the board. Yeah. Yeah, this is a bad football team, yeah. though. I think in terms okay, of the terrible. actual product on the field, this may be the worst product on the field that we've seen at the end of a coaching regime. You know, North's team was actually competitive still in the playoff race. Marty's team was in the playoff race yeah. fight, fighting until the end. Oh, you um, know, Marty, Marty, that's another thing. We could, Marty went right over my head, too. I yeah, I, because, because it wasn't an ugly ending. It was an ending right. that, that we didn't want to see. And Snyder, you know, that was the biggest mistake he's made. But to me, the ugly ends of seasons were and, and regimes, Zorn – you know, Spurrier, Zorn, Shanahan, and Rivera. Because Jay was yeah. fired after week five. They actually, you know, for whatever reason, became a slightly more competitive team after that 0-5 start with, you know, multiple quarterbacks, et cetera. But thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I also, you know, I, I want to go back and emphasize what I've emphasized many times over the years about 2012 and 2013. Dan Snyder deserves most of the blame and a lot more of the blame than even RG3 does. RG3 was immature and young. Uh, You cannot empower one player and put him against the head coach. That's the uh, a mature owner would have said, Don't come to me. I'm not your coach. You answer to him. And that's not the way the relationship went. Now, obviously, a more mature player, a less self-absorbed uh, player would have potentially handled it differently and said, I really appreciate, Mr. Snyder, that you want to be close to me and you want me to have more power here, but you know, I, I, I'm going to listen to my coach. And, and that, but that's, that was on Dan. Um, all right. Uh, I know that I didn't get it to a lot of you. We're, we're going to cut this one off. But, you know, it seems like Rivera and the Shanahan ending are the top two favorites uh, in terms of the worst uh, endings to regimes. This is a bad one, man. And Rivera said some things yesterday. I, I think at time, I, I don't even, I think he's almost a bit clueless as to how awful this team is and how it will rank as one of the worst in franchise history. 
All right, we'll get to some of what he said yesterday. We'll go back quickly and look at the 49er game. We'll look at the draft position scenarios uh, for this weekend. And we've got to get to Michael Penix Jr.'s performance in the semifinal game against Texas. Did he change anybody's mind? Uh, and where could he elevate to by the time we get to the end of April? Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team980.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Well, we're done with the culture. I, I think that was one of the things that, um, you know, somebody asked me the same question. I said, you know, the biggest thing more than anything else, I think, is I kind of like where we are. Um, you know, it's uh, obviously it's not where we want to be, but, uh, you know, that's just the nature of this game sometimes. He was asked with that answer on what he's most proud of over his four years in Washington. Um, there's been a lot of discussion uh, from me, too, about the culture improvement under Ron Rivera. But I think as we near the end here, we can look back and just say, first and foremost, as Ron would say, the product on the field just wasn't anywhere near good enough. Um, you know, they were competitive in the 2020, 2021, and 2022 seasons, uh, much more so than they were here. But they were never at any point – um, a football team that looked like it was on the verge of turning the corner and becoming a consistently competitive or playoff competitive franchise. And by year four, you would have expected that if you were a believer in Ron Rivera from the jump. Um, and then with respect to what was, you know, very much a soiled and very toxic organization when he got here, it became much worse, not because of him, um, but because of all of the investigations, uh, everything that became a very hot button topic with the name change. He had a personal health crisis. Um, but, you know, there were players that were brought into the franchise that were were brought into the franchise in part because of character. They moved on from various people that didn't want to be here. I think a mis big mistake in moving on from Trent Williams for the compensation that they moved on from him. And let's not forget that, you know, here as we sit here at the end of the Ron Rivera regime, uh, he's the one that brought Ryan Vermillion into the organization. You know, not all of the investigations, 90% of them were Snyder related, but the other 10% dealt with the Ryan Vermillion DEA raid on the organization. That was his hire, one of his first hires. You know, you had players involved like Jamin Davis in serious traffic incidents and of course the DeShazer Everett tragedy. Um, with that young woman from Montgomery County. By the way, there's a lawsuit uh, being filed on behalf of the family against um, DeShazer Everett. 
look, a lot of those things happen in organizations, and I do not put that stuff on Ron. But the highest character and highest quality and really the best players in the organization are the ones that were already here when he got here. Terry McLaurin, John Allen, Deron Payne, Tressway. Um, so anyway, uh, we're going to look back, I think, on he's looking for something here. And I, and I at least give him some credit for at the end of that, that statement saying, you know, I think it, it you know, obviously it's not where we want to be, but that's the nature of this game sometimes. No, it's not where he wanted it to be. And I don't think he's going to fool anybody here at the end of his reign and thinking that he left anything super positive here uh, to carry over into the next regime, other than being a guy that was a good man and is a highly respected guy. Uh, people understand this throughout the NFL. How many guests have we had on the show, Denton, over the last two years that will say, I loved Ron Rivera, had a chance to cover him when he was in this market as an assistant or this market as a coordinator or in Charlotte as a head coach? Not one person have we ever had on this show that has dealt with Ron Rivera that does not say how much they liked him and how well-respected he is around the league. So, you know, life is too short to just focus on the games themselves. This is a good man by all accounts, but the culture and the you know the the team that he's leaving for the next regime is actually in total shambles. Uh, and it requires almost a complete rebuild. And that's not what they anticipated when he got here. All right, so uh, since this is our first show of the new year and we have not been on uh, since Friday uh, of last week, December 29th, um, wanted to just mention a couple of things. First of all, the 49er game, you know, that was a surprisingly competitive game at halftime at 13-10. to 10. I actually thought that Eric Bieniemy had one of the best days of the season for him. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind. Number one is the game Sunday was a super fast-moving game with very few possessions in the game. You know, Washington in the first half only had the ball three times. You know, you don't count the kneel down at the end of the first half. Uh, of course, there was a chance that they could have gotten the ball back had they used their timeouts on defense for a fourth possession, but they decided not to use their timeouts on defense for some reason. Uh, And if I hadn't been rooting for them to lose, I would have certainly uh, hammered Ron Rivera for that. But the three possessions that they had in the first half were possessions that I thought were responsible possessions considering that they had to play Sam Howell because Jacoby Brissett had the, the hamstring. We think he had the hamstring. No, I think he had the hamstring. Some of you suggested to me, do you think he did the same thing Taylor Heineke did last year, that he kind of begged out because he had already produced five touchdowns and five drives, basically, and you know the only way for him over the final two games was down in value, uh, that his value was super high going into the free agent market? No, I think he wanted to play. I, I Absolutely do. But given how broken, how shattered, how fragile they told us that Sam was, implied that Sam was, I thought Eric Bieniemy's game plan was caring, responsible for the first time uh, in a lot of weeks. Uh, all quick games, screens, bubbles, shovels, tunnels, ran the football with Brian Robinson Jr. Again, they, again, three drives. They only had 21 legitimate snaps in the first half. Um, but I thought that, you know, uh, Eric Bieniemy went away from kind of the developmental long game approach and said, what do I have to do to make sure that this kid doesn't have another dreadful afternoon. And so I gave him credit for that. Uh, Sam made a couple of really good throws in the first half. The 42-yard shot on third and two to Terry McLaurin. That was quick game because it was a three-step drop, man coverage, press man coverage, which allowed him to get the ball out early, made a great throw. Same with the back shoulder touchdown throw. Um, had a really good second and 20 throw in the third quarter to Curtis Samuel just over the head of Fred Warner. 
Um, you know, the two interceptions, he had a couple of other bad balls that were probably lucky uh, not to be picked off. It was not a banner day for Sam Howell, but it was an improved day from some of the days that he had had previously, which were, you know, D minus near failure grades. Um, it, again, not a great day, but I thought that the combination of Biennemi and Howell uh, made it so that it wasn't going to be a disastrous day. You know, it wasn't going to give you a chance necessarily to beat a really good team, but um, I gave them credit for that. Uh, Sam Cosme's been an absolute stud over the last five, six weeks of this season. You want to talk about the offensive line and how bad it is? You can do that all you want. None of the advanced numbers suggest that, by the way. The advanced numbers suggest that a big problem with their their pass, uh, you know, uh, the opposing pass rushes and the effectiveness of opposing pass rushes has been the quarterback play. Um, but Sam Cosme, per PFF, has been the second highest rated guard over the last six weeks of the season. He is a keeper. Uh, that's his natural position, and he's been outstanding, and he was outstanding again on Sunday against the 49ers. Um so there were a couple of things that I liked, you know, in addition to what I just mentioned. I thought Brian Robinson Jr. ran really well, looked fresh, looked healthy. Um, it was nice to see that. Um, and I thought that uh, uh, Gibson, I, I still think that I'm, I'm going to look back on the Gibson years here, assuming that he's not going to be with the team next year. He's a free agent. And think that he was very much underutilized uh, based on his talent. And I understand some of it was the concern over the fumbling you know, early on. Um, you know, the list of things that were bad, defensively they couldn't stop the run. I actually thought they played hard. You know, Ron talked about them, you know, p- p- being competitive and playing hard. And I do think the last couple of weeks they've played fast, they've played hard. But with all of the absences and all of the missing players across the board, um, they're just not good. Um, and they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the Niners. By the way, how impressive are the 49ers? Just overall, uh, just the, the guy that uh, Denton, you and I have kind of highlighted the last year and a half because he doesn't get nearly the attention that Kittle, that Debo, that McCaffrey gets. Ayuk is a star. He is a phenomenal route runner. Uh, just love everything about that team, uh, which really speaks to how great Baltimore is, right? Uh, because of, of the destruction that Baltimore did to the 49ers on Christmas night. Um, but defensively, it was just in, in another one of those days. Look, the 49ers only scored 27 points, and the defense rose up a couple of times in the red zone, so give them credit for that. <clears throat> but overall, you know, this was a fast-moving, low-possession count game, um, and the 49ers, you know, scored on three of their first four drives of the uh, three of their uh, four drives in the first half, and their first two of the second half, and then the game was over. I mean, they could have scored more if they really needed to. Um, So Washington defensively was a mess. And I already mentioned, I don't know what Ron was thinking at the end of the first half. I would have, you know, obliterated him for not using timeouts on defense when you had a chance to potentially get the ball back. And, by the way, get the ball back after going field goal touchdown in your previous two drives in a 10-10 game at the time. And he goes to the locker room with two timeouts and a kneel down uh, with with 18 seconds to go in the first half. That was pathetic um, from a clock management standpoint. But I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, maybe they're thinking, hey, Sam had a really good half. The offense had a really good half. Let's not end it with a pick six. We get the ball to start the, start the second half. Perhaps they were thinking that. Um, perhaps they're thinking the way we're thinking. No, they're not. Um, in terms of let's be competitive, but let's not win the game. That's not what they're thinking, and that's not what they'll be thinking on Sunday. By the way, I wanted to mention one other thing because I was watching Chase Young during the game. He played in, <clears throat> I think I looked this up uh, the other day, I think he played in 58% of the snaps for the 49ers. Um, he was a non-factor in the game, and a lot of what we saw here at times on run plays especially uh, that were beyond the line of scrimmage um, where there's not the relentless motor that we saw with Chase as a rookie in particular. 
you know, I saw a lot of the the, the same. Um, it'd be interesting to get more of a 49er perspective on Chase Young. I know that the pass rush and the sack count has increased since the trade, um, but he's not even the consistent starter at that other defensive end spot. By the way, two players in addition to all of their offensive players that are just special, Fred Warner and Nick Bosa are just special players. Uh, just love watching those players play. And Charvarius Ward's become a star as well uh, for the 49ers. Um, exceptionally well coached. Have you ever seen a team that gets people consistently more open, uh, more incredible openings for runners? I mean, Elijah Mitchell came into the game and rushed for 4.8 yards per carry when McCaffrey went out. Uh, they're just um, – That would have been the dream, you know, if you had an owner that wasn't dumber than dirt when it came to football and could see uh, beyond his own um, reflection in the mirror, uh, it would have been nice to have Mike for a couple of years and turn it over to Kyle at some point here in Washington. We would have been in the midst of, you know, a pretty good run, I think, for sure. Uh, You know, with Kirk Cousins probably as the quarterback. Anyway, um, the draft position. So I'll explain it when we come back. Right, Denton? Do we have another break before this hour? I'm confused right now. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Um, I'll explain it when we come back. It doesn't take long to explain, but there are a couple of teams that we're going to be wanting to root for this weekend, and I'll tell you who that is if you want to end up with the number two pick overall, which is where they are right now. We'll get to that uh, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980. In the NFL, the league is fined Panthers owner David Tepper $300,000 for throwing a drink on fans in Jacksonville over the weekend. A video shown of him tossing a drink out of his open-air skybox in towards the fans. Uh, he's fined for that 300000 as I mentioned, and he has issued an apology saying that he let the moment get the best out of him. NHL Caps beat the Penguins 4-3. Ovi scores his eighth goal of the season, 830th all-time. In action tonight against the Devils are the Caps. You can hear that on 106.7 The Fan. You hear the Wizards right here. They're on the road against Cleveland at 7 p.m. And that's what's trending. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, you know, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, it, it, the, the big thing more than anything else about getting a W is it's Dallas. And, and that's traditionally the, the, the you know, the to me, this it's one of the really great rivalries in, in professional sports. You know, and, um, you know, it's, it's it's been one of those things that, you know, neither one of us have, have been, you know, as consistent as the other. Um, you know, I know Dallas, for the most part, is, is you know, playing well the last few years and and we just haven't been where we really wanted to be you know I think this year obviously everybody's you know had some expectations and as I did for sure Ron Rivera yesterday talking about the finale against the Cowboys this from Pete on Twitter doesn't a small part of you want to relegate the Cowboys to the five seed uh relegate is more of a soccer term by the way um but I understand what your point was um Yes, a very small part of me, a very small part of me would love to see the Cowboy fans that I know (laughs) just be in utter pain 
of losing the division, losing the two seed, which would entitle them, by the way, to two home games potentially. Um, well, two definitively if they win the first. Um, yeah, but no, not to the point where that urge, uh, you know, trumps the idea that they could be in the running for Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. So. No, I want them to lose the game. There was certainly a time where I would have been super thrilled that a meaningless season-ending game against an arch rival where we could be a spoiler, that that would actually be an incentive to watch the game and to be interested in the game, but no, not that, not so much this year. If it were to happen, I would laugh like hell at the Cowboy uh, fans uh, that I know. Um, but at the same time, we'd be, of course, laughing at ourselves for just doing something so stupid. So anyway, I think a lot of you know this, but maybe some of you don't know who we should be rooting for this weekend. To make it really simple, draft positioning tiebreakers are based on strength of schedule, not head-to-head. And the easier schedule you end up with uh, you elevate in terms of draft status because they figure you're even worse than the other team because you had an easier schedule. So right now, going into the final week of the season, Carolina's got the worst record. They're guaranteed to have the worst record. That pick, of course, was traded to Chicago. So the Bears will have the number one pick in the NFL draft. Right now, based on the tiebreakers, you have three teams that are tied for the second worst record in the NFL, Washington, New England, and Arizona. And Washington has the easiest strength of schedule as of now with one week to play. So currently, if the season were over, Washington would have the two pick, New England would have the three pick, and Arizona would have the four pick. By the way, there are three teams that are uh, that have five losses, that have five um, wins. They are the Giants, Chargers, and Tennessee. And the Giants have the easiest strength of schedule among those teams right now and have an easier strength of schedule than Washington. So the most important thing here, okay, to get the, the highest possible pick, which is number two, is to beat is to lose to Dallas and have New England beat the Jets. New England's been playing hard, man. They have been playing hard. There have been a couple of bad teams playing hard. The Giants, the the Patriots, the Cardinals, and that's helped Washington a lot. Um, The Patriots are favored over the Jets Sunday in what could be Bill Belichick's final game as the head coach of the New England Patriots in Foxborough. You don't think he wants to win that game against the Jets going out? That's why they're favored. I mean, that along with, you know, Trevor Simeons, the starting quarterback for the Jets. But the best way to ensure the number two pick, it guarantees it, is Washington losing to Dallas and the Patriots beating the Jets. If that happens, even if Arizona loses, their strength of schedule isn't going to change so dramatically that they would end up with an easier uh, schedule strength than Washington. So uh, if New England wins and Washington loses, Chicago will be at number one with Carolina's pick, Washington would be at two, and Arizona would be at three. So that's what you have to root for more than anything else. Washington loss, New England win over the Jets. Washington's a 13.5-point underdog. New England's a 2.5-point favorite with, by the way, a team that's been playing super hard. They've been really good defensively over the last month and a half and with some incentive for Belichick to go out as a winner if that's going to be it uh, in New England against, by the way, their arch rival, the New York Jets. So that is the easiest way to the number two pick. Now, if Washington loses and New England also loses, then you've got to root for a few teams to give you the best chance at an easier overall strength of schedule than the Patriots and the tiebreaker that you would have with them. You're going to beat the the Cardinals in strength of schedule. Their strength of schedule is much more difficult right now than Washington's in New England. So it would come down with losses by Washington, New England, and Arizona. 
and three 4-13 teams to strengthen the schedule, but it really would come down to Washington and New England. And so here are the teams that need to win uh, for Washington to strengthen its tiebreaker advantage over New England, um, meaning ending up with an easier strength of schedule. Uh, you want Pittsburgh to beat Baltimore. That's the outcome you're rooting for. You're rooting for Indianapolis to beat Houston. By the way, Pittsburgh's got to win that game, and they are favored over Baltimore, who won't be playing anybody more likely than not. That a Saturday game in Baltimore. Houston Indy is for a playoff spot. The game is at Indy. You want Indy to win that game. Atlanta at New Orleans. Uh, you know, Taylor Heineke had a dreadful game on Sunday against Chicago and is hurt a little bit. So maybe they'll start Desmond Ritter. You want the Saints to win. You want Green Bay to clinch a playoff spot at home at Lambeau against Chicago and win that game. And then you want Vegas to beat Denver. So Pittsburgh, so New England, number one. And then after that, Pittsburgh, Indy, New Orleans, Green Bay, and the Raiders. All winning would really go a long way to ensuring that Washington ends up with an easier strength of schedule than New England if both teams lose, which would put Washington at two. If Washington loses the game, they will end up with no worse than the three pick in the April draft, the third pick overall, Um, and there's a pretty good chance that they'll end up with the second pick if those things happen. But the easiest way to number two is lose to Dallas and have New England give Bill Belichick a great send-off and maybe a bit of a middle finger to Patriots management on losing a spot in the draft or maybe a couple of spots in the draft with a win. All right, when we come back, the performance of the weekend was Monday night's performance by Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. We'll talk about that, where he may be elevating in terms and rising to in terms of the draft. Uh, And both of those semifinal games were great. We'll Recap those a little bit, and then Ben Standing will join us with any kind of information on who the quarterback will be Sunday against the Cowboys. All of that and more coming up in this final hour of the show, the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.